0: Okay, let's start with the noka mantra. Om namo Arihantanam, om namo sitanam, om namo ayadiyanam, om namo vajayanam, namo lavesavasahunam, eso savapavapanasano, Mangalalancha Thank you, everybody, for coming this week. I really appreciate your time. I don't take it for granted at all. So this is a Mara, right? Does anybody use one? Oh, that's great. Got it right there. Uh, Nick, tell me how you use it.
1: Uh, how I use it?
0: Like yes. how I hold it
1: or is that, is that what you're asking?
0: No. What do you do? How do you use it? Like what prayer do you say? How do you move across the beads with each word?
1: So, um, I don't know. Well, uh, originally, uh, I was always one bead ahead. So I, I, I use the, I use it for the nokar, mm-hmm. um, and I say the nokar car uh, using the mar to count the, you know, um, to count how many nokar I've said. Right. Um, And I, uh, I say the nokar and I push one bead to the left Mm -hmm. or up depending on how I'm holding it, you
0: know? Do you say one one line per bead or one nokar mantra per bead?
1: No, one nokar mantra per bead. Okay. And then, uh, I use my thumb to push the, the bead across, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a small gap in between.
0: Great. So, Mihir, can you tell us how you use the, the Mara?
1: You're on mute. Okay, now I'm on.
2: So, uh, like Nick said, I, I use the same way. And what I've also done uh, is what the way I understand what Nick just explained, it's called Banti naukarwadi. means on each bead, you say the whole naukar. And what I've done is like also uh, like you just basically kind of flip through it. And just the same, keep on saying Navkar. However many you can say it, uh, but what I did routinely before was uh, on one bead, I would say Om Rimsri, Om Rimsri, parshvanathaya Namo Namaha, uh, and uh, I was told in childhood that if you do Om Rimsri, Namo Nanasa, uh, that helps your memory. So I I, I have done those as well uh, in past.
0: Great. So those are very common ways to use it. Um, typically, you hold it like this. And as you go through the nokar mantra, you let you advance one bead, and you let gravity take it on the other side. And the great thing about it is you can use it when your eyes are closed because you just have to feel the beads, and you'll feel the end of the bead when you're done. Um, so you don't... Uh, the end of the mara when you're done. So you don't have to worry about that. And that has been the typical way to use it is that... You either say one line of the nokar mantra per bead or you say one nokar mantra per bead. And so there are 108 beads on the mala. And so there are nine lines in the nokar mantra. So if you do line by line, then you end up saying the nokar mantra 12 times. And obviously, if you do one nokar mantra per mala, you're saying the nokar mantra 108 times, which is great. Um, thank you for everybody who just joined. Today, we're going to learn a better way to use the Mata. Uh Those are great ways to do it, and I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. It's certainly very hard to do. It's hard to keep your concentration up for 108 Nokar Mantras, or frankly, even 12 Navkar Mantras. But today, we're going to learn a better way to use the Mata. So why do we say the Nokar Mantra when we use the Mata?
2: I think Nokar Mantra is our, I guess, Namaskar to Panch Parmeshti. And uh, like every time we, other than just using mala and we say Nokar Mantra, we wanna, wh- what we are saying is we wanna acquire the uh, the qualities of Panch Parmeshti and and achieve moksha.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. The original name of the Nokar Mantra was the Namaskar Maha Mangal Sutra. That's a very formal name. That's how all the scriptures refer to it. Uh, later that was shortened to Namaskar Mangal Sutra. Uh, later, for common people, it was called the Namaskar Mantra, and then it ended up being the Nokar Mantra. So the Panchpur Mesti are the Arihans, the Siddhas, the Acharyas, the Upadhyas, and the Sadhus and Sadhis. And the reason that The Nokar mantra is associated with the Mara is because of the Panchpur Mesti, uh Mihir is exactly right. We do not worship people. Okay, we do not do not worship people in Jainism, even though we see an idol sometimes, we don't worship that person. We worship that person's accomplishments. We worship the qualities of that person that made them able to see the truth, right? And so the, each of the Panjpormestis have a, a different number of attributes. Uh, so for example, the Aryans have 12 attributes, the Siddhas have 8 attributes, the Acharyas have 36 attributes, the Upadhyas have 25 attributes, and the Sadhus have 27 attrib- attributes. So if you add all those up, it equals 108. And so that's why the number 108 is so important in Jainism. So here's a better way to use the MA than perhaps what you have been thinking because it does get a little bit boring. And not to say that that's not important, the ability to keep your concentration for that long, but especially for kids when they're just starting out, it's a little bit boring, right? So we need to make it a little bit interesting. So if there are 108 attributes, why don't we think about each attribute as we advance one bead on the model. And so, for example, there are 12 attributes of the, of the Arihant, right? So instead of saying, namo arihanthanam, namo Siddhanam," namo Aryanam," namo uajayanam, why don't we say, namo Arihantanam" 12 times and think about each one of the attributes as we say it. Why don't we say, no more chanting, Nam. 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 No more And I'm right here on the mala. I'm on the twelfth beat, and then I would move to the Siddhas for eight times. Namosidanam, 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 Namosidanam. And I'm right here. Right? So each time I said it, I thought of that particular attribute. Now, isn't that much more interesting? And isn't that actually the point? Isn't the point of saying the Nokar Mantra? To think about the qualities of those people. And if there's one Mara per quality. Well isn't it much more interesting to think of 108 different things. Than perhaps just one thing each beat? Wouldn't that get kids interested in it? Wouldn't that get you more interested in using the Mara? And so the obvious downside is. Well, if you want to close your eyes, you have to remember, you have to memorize the 108 attributes. But you can use a piece of paper. Isn't the point to be thinking about that, to be doing samvar, to be performing Nirjara? You can open your eyes and use a piece of paper until you have it memorized. So I submit to you that that is a, a better way to use the mata, especially for children, as you're just beginning. Thoughts on that, or criticisms on that?
3: You know, Uh, no criticism. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry, go ahead. ahead. Now, what I was going to say is this is very, very interesting. And yes, I agree with that. Uh, It's just that we need to probably have another marker at every 12th or 8th or whatever beat it comes through to make sure we... You know we don't use our efforts to count as well you know rather than counting we need to have some sort of an indicator right now we have 108 you it at the end of eight, eight yes at the end of 12 you can add another indicator or some somewhere that you need to move on to the next
0: attribute but you only need an indicator if you're saying the same thing each time if you're thinking the same thing each time if you're thinking about 12 different things you know when you're on the 12th one And to move to the next one, to the attributes of the sadhus on number 13, right?
3: If you're reading those, yes. But I thought we are saying that we are going to say and Tana 12 times and think about those 12 different attributes.
0: That's right. You say say the same thing 12 times, but you think about 12 different attributes. Attributes. So as you're thinking about the 12th one, wouldn't you automatically jump to the 13th one, even if you had just memorized the list?
1: Correct. That then do work. you need? Then do you need to use the mala?
0: Oh, of course not. You never need to use the mala. The mala was always a device to help you um, as you're doing it. If if you don't need to, then don't do it.
1: So I think that um, you know uh, you were asking like, what's the thoughts on it? I think the first thing that the kids learn anywhere is the no mantra, right? Right. And because it's so ingrained, like as the 101, you know, the first thing you learn kind of thing, it has been kind of at least engraved in our minds to use that for the um, for the Nokar, right, right, you know, and so as we as we use it, and you know, as we use it to and as we use it during, you know, some as we use it during pretty and as we use it in all of these other attributes, um, you know, it's interesting like you know when people say to say uncertain number of no karate, right like if you're gonna say hey i'm gonna say 108 right well that's that's one whole you know that's one whole no karate but does it make a difference if you say 108 or 110 like do you get do you get bad when you for saying two more right like
0: no absolutely not
1: right so i guess Sometimes I feel like it, it's holding us back from doing something like we want to know we're done with something. And so it's, we're not really knowing that you've finished that, especially since we've been doing this two Muno Karadis a day, you know, thing, which by the way, Koshul's not here, but hopefully he's keeping up with it. So.
0: Right. So you hit the nail on the head. The Mara is a chunking mnemonic. So what's chunking? Chunking is when you break up a big goal into smaller goals, you're more likely to achieve that bigger goal. If I tell you to do 108 Nokar mantras, you probably won't do it. But if I tell you to finish the Mara, well, it's a little goal you have in mind, and each you get a little hit of dopamine for each bead that you cross, right? You're that much closer to accomplishing your goal. So, who's figured this out? Pharmacists have figured out chunking. So there's a problem where people don't uh, finish their medications because they feel better. So they're like, oh, I don't have to take the rest. And that's not the way you use medications. A course is, for example, 12 days. There's a 12 day course of medication and people are cutting it off at six. So pharmacists have used chunking. They've divided the 12 into three groups of four called red, yellow, and green. And it's the same pill inside each one. But the pill is red, the pill is yellow, and the pill is green. So that has increased compliance with uh, finishing the course of your medication by an astronomical percentage, by over 20%. People, uh, there's nothing different. The only thing is psychological chunking, right? So this is a psychological hack to allow us to complete the 108. There's no special. Uh, if you do 110, that's better than 108. And if you do 106, that's a little bit worse than 108. So what you is, hit the nail on the do, head right there.
1: Do you know the difference between, uh, you know, this and a and a rosary or, you know, uh, like other religions use this type of, uh, you know, uh, rosary type of, you know, thing in Christianity and things like that? Is that also 108? Does anyone know what, how many beads are in that?
0: I do not know, but I'm willing to entertain anybody who does. That's, sorry.
4: Google says generally has 10 beads. Uh, five decade would have 59 beads. There are a lot of, there's a large bead, small marble beads. It's interesting. Maybe dive um, into what you were saying uh, to have markers on it, uh, while the the Jane Maya has 108 um, similar identical beads. Uh, the ones in Catalysis seem to have uh, different sizes to, uh, to designate different, so, different segments.
1: So, Ceto, I, I, I typed in. Uh, how many beads in a Catholic rosary? Beads. How many? How many beads in that? And it it says there's 108 beads. It says rosary, rosary beads. Generally, informed a rosary is a circular string of beads used by Roman Catholics for crowning prayers. Many reasons have been given for the 108 beads. I don't know. I don't know if it's 108. You know. And then. Some I guess there's a another one that's just called the Rosary one, and that's fifty beads
4: so this one I see a couple of different I'll read more into it is fifty nine beads, which two rounds of that is one eighteen
1: um. yeah you know and it, and, it, and and, and it is interesting the pictures that are shown are like you know like every fifth beat or third beat or whatever is a different bead,
4: yeah. right you know. Uh, but Timur, going back to kind of the original question you posed, um, especially for, for kids, early on in their uh, Jainism journey, they're taught you no know, Mantra. Mm-hmm. right? And it becomes just like this rote exercise of just knock it out. Just say it 10 times, say it three times before a drive, say it, you know, three times every morning before you go to go to bed take the mara just crank it out 100 108 times and it's like asking a kid you know, say the alphabet 20 times fast and they will just zip through it and you get the elemental ops which right, anything that can get them get us myself included right back to why are we doing this what are we actually saying what are we supposed to be reflecting on and what does it actually mean is is more important. So if you can, right, it becomes a race, right? Can I do it in uh, 12 minutes? Can I do it in 10 minutes? Well, if it takes you 20 minutes to do it one attribute at a time, but you actually reflect more and under, get a deeper appreciation or better appreciation of, what you're actually saying and why you're actually saying it, in my mind, it's more valuable to say it 10 times instead of 108, but you actually learn something or gain something more personally than just, you know, cranking it out um, hundred and eight times.
0: You're absolutely right. And that is uh, one of the main things we've hit on in this class is that What are we supposed to be thinking about when we say these prayers? Well, we're supposed to be thinking about the meaning of the words. And if you're right. If you say it one time and it takes you 15 minutes, that's better than if you say it 20 times and that takes you 15 minutes. Um, Certainly. uh, And you think about the meaning of the words while you're saying it that one time. Uh, So let's go over the attributes, what we're supposed to think about. And the reason that it's the Nokar mantra is that Now that we've realized that the Nokar Mantra is actually 108 attributes that we're supposed to be thinking about, now we realize that the entirety of Jainism is contained in the Nokar Mantra. Just like previously, we've concluded that, well, Ahimsa grew so much to kind of be the entirety of Jainism when you think about Ahimsa. The same thing is true here. The Nokar Mantra has grown so much that it... Uh, envelops the entirety of Jainism. And you'll see why as we go through the attributes. So, the word Arihanth is made up of two words. Ari means enemy, and hunt means destroyer. And the Arihants have 12 attributes that we look up to. Um, And the Arihants are the Tirthankars. And so the reason that they're first is because they are the enlightened souls that set up the fourfold order of the Jain system. Remember that you can be go to Moksh and not be a Tirthankar. There are many, in fact, most of the souls in Moksh are not Tirthankars. In this last cycle, we only had 24 Tirthankars, Mahavir being the latest one. So when we say, I bow down to the Arihants, we are bowing down to the 12 attributes of the Tirthankars. And those 12 attributes are omniscience, they deliver sermons, they're worshiped by other souls, And then in their vicinity, when they're on Earth, um, in their Tirthankar form, there are no calamities or diseases that exist in their vicinity. Those are the four main ones. The uh, eight other attributes are they have a divine seat from which they deliver sermons. There's a halo that appears around their head. Uh, Angels appear around them waving fans. There's uh, an umbrella over their head, which represents hell, earth, and heaven. It's a three-tiered umbrella. Uh, They sit under a tree, and they're continuously showered with fragrant flowers. They have a a divine announcement whenever they deliver their sermon, and they have music accompanying their sermons. So this is kind of weird, right? Like, why am I I interested in thinking about a shower of flowers for the Arihant? When I'm, so let's, uh, if we're saying, 12 times, one of them, we think about a shower of fragrant flowers that appears or angels that wave fans around them. Isn't, why are we doing that? What is the point of doing that? And we're in chapter two of the book, the Meshti. This is where all the attributes are listed. So why would I think of, you know, a sermon delivered by the Arihant when I'm thinking about that attribute? What does that do for me? Well, I would suggest that It lets you think about the history, that the fact that there are, there is evidence of people that have achieved this state and the type of things that can happen when you achieve this state, the type of things, um, especially for omniscience and no calamities or diseases, the type of things that are possible, right? Because we have to have a goal to look forward. Our goal is not to be a teer Okay, our goal is to be a Siddha, you know, there's, there's, I don't know the chances, but there's probably quite a low chance that we're going to be a Tirthankar, right, in the future, right? But we want to respect this person because without this person, we wouldn't have even known about the Siddhas, okay? So we want to respect the, the qualities of the person that led to this result. So let's talk about the Siddhas eight attributes of the Siddha. Infinite knowledge, infinite perception, perfect conduct, infinite energy, uninterrupted happiness, immortality because of no body, formlessness because of no body, and they're equal with all the other Siddhas. So here we're starting to get a little bit more like, oh, okay, I see why I'm thinking about these attributes. Let's say when I say Namo Siddhanam eight times. Okay, I'm thinking about each one of these attributes. And this is a little more uh, easy to understand why we would do this. Uh, for example, infinite knowledge, right? You're thinking about what is what you are because you are a soul and you possess infinite knowledge. It's just obscured by your karma. Um, you, th- you are a soul, you have infinite perception, you have infinite energy, you have immortality. So you remember that This is where you want to go. You want to uncover all these characteristics of yourself when you think about each one of these attributes of the Siddha. And remember, you don't have to memorize it. Um, We can make a chart if you want, or if some entrepreneurial spirit wants to make a chart of the 108 attributes and share it with the class, you can do the mala in front of a piece of paper and think about each one of the attributes. So the acharyas have 36 attributes. And here's where it really shines because this is what we want to do in our daily life and this will remind you basically everything about Jainism. So the first five attributes are their control over their five senses, right? They don't seek pleasure in each one of the senses. And that's something to think about. You could think about that for a long time for each one of the senses, right? Well, what are... What are the senses of touch, right, that we want to avoid? We want to avoid taking excess pleasure in, you know? Taste, that's an easy one, right? Food, right? Smell, sight, and hearing. You could think about this a long time. What in your life do you need to control in order to gain control over your five senses, just like Akcharyas? Nine ways to guard against sensual pleasure, right? Not, uh, these are the next nine attributes of the Acharyas, of which there are 36. Uh, Not to stay in or near a place where uh, persons of the opposite sex live. Not to be alone with the member of the opposite sex. Not to observe the body of the person of the opposite sex, so lust there. You know, not to consume intoxicating foods or liquids, not eating tasty foods, not adorning or decorating the body, wearing simple clothes things like that now it's real easy it really shines about this method of thinking about each one of the attributes as you do one bead of the mara the next four attributes of the acharya are free from they're free from anger ego deceit and greed right this is our wheelhouse we spend a majority of our time talking about this but each one of those is just one mara on the 108 so you can see how we'll get to all of jainism pretty soon the next is that acharyas observe the five great vows, of which are, of course, non violence, non lying, non stealing, celibacy, and non attachment. So we see that we can think about the five great vows. There's plenty of, to think about there. The next five attributes of the acharyas is that they observe the five codes of conduct right knowledge, right faith, right conduct, um, tapachar, right conduct regarding austerities, and number five is. Vidyachar, right conduct regarding mental, verbal, and physical abilities. The next five of the Acharyas are the samitis, or how they're cautious in the way they live. Um, They're cautious in their movement, speech. They're cautious in accepting alms. They're cautious in handling clothes, pots, and pans. And they're cautious in getting rid of their bodily waste. These are great things to think about, one per bead, Remember? How we can incorporate that into our life. The next three attributes of the Acharya are restraining bad thoughts, bad language, and bad physical activities, or manvachankaya. Oh, that was the last one. Okay, so questions about any of the attributes we've talked about so far. The attributes of the Arihanth, of which there are twelve, the attributes of the Siddha, of which there are eight, and the attributes of the Acharya of which there are thirty six.
2: as I as I go through this uh, it's very interesting that you know what what you asked earlier we should do now mantra versus this it just seems like you know we are going from elementary to intermediate level and uh, we we basic and I, I I'm certainly gonna ask but it seems like you know as kind of people graduate and even in India I, I don't even know if my parents do this with this 108 uh qualities or good that we are trying to acquire, but I I think it's a, it's a very good idea. I mean, in fact, we're not, I I just believe that hope that that's probably the purpose and that's what Monotype and others who are kind of more advanced do it. Uh, and it, 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 it is letting us connect to what we are really trying to accomplish other than just saying it and trying to meditate and concentrate. And I think this is probably going to help us more to, to go in that direction
0: right and it generally it's just a reminder Re- remember mantras work because they bring things to the front of your mind so if you're doing these 108 attributes and you're bringing these to the front of your mind every day i mean sometimes i forget that there are five codes of conduct you know i'll never forget that there are four passions we talked about that a lot but sometimes i forget that there are three restraints of thought speech and body or sometimes i forget that there's five kinds of ways I should be cautious, right? It's just a lot of groupings of stuff to remember. But if I do that, if I remember each of those once every day, I'll never forget that. And my life will change. My life will have no choice but to change. If I remember that, just remember that these things exist every day, right? Certainly there are, uh, I never forget about Jainism, right? But certainly there are some days in your life where you forget you're Jain, right? (laughs) But... If we remember these things every day, then that will help us change our life.
2: One thing I'll have to admit, I mean, until now or until recently, I did not know about this, this school, I'm sure there are, you know, pravachans and uh, backhands where they talk about this I've never been exposed to it. Whereas my kids have been talking about it and, and thanks to Jaina curriculum and the others, but uh, the kids are exposed to it at this pretty early age mm-hmm. and more about it. So I, I think they can, uh, or now we all can advance to this level. But uh, I, I I did not run into it, or maybe did not look for it uh, in my childhood days.
0: Right.
3: So, so one question on this one.
2: Um, We're talking about
3: 108 attributes. And Based on what we learn this teach, you know, Acharyas, Siddhas, Arihans, um, generally you build on the things. So for instance, nonviolence should be one of the most basic one. I think probably will cover those things in one way, which means you may cover the same attribute more than once, I believe. Shouldn't that be the case? Because if we are saying Acharya uh, with uh, these 36 attributes, all of those 36, some of those should be part of one step down version. Some of that should be part of even further step like nonviolence, you know, non-stealing, all of those should be the attribute of the you know, starting point.
0: That's right. So as we learn about sadhus and sadvis, we're gonna repeat the five um okay. five uh, yeah. uh, uh, vows. Because of course the Acharyas take the greater versions of those vows. Right. And the right. sadhus and sadvis Uh, take the... No, they take the greater versions. The Shravaks and Shravikas take the lesser versions. But those five are duplicated. You're right. There are some that are duplicated. Absolutely. So let's turn... Let's finish it up and turn to Upadyas and then Sadhus and Sadvis. So the attributes of the Upadhyas are the 11 Anga Agams. That is the canonical texts of Jainism, which they must learn. Um, The 12... Upanga Agams, um, this was a later text that came. So the Unga Agams were compiled by the disciples of Mahavir, and the 12 later texts were dis- um, uh, written down by other people later in time. So that's 11 and 12 is 23. There's one text of proper conduct known as the Charan Satari, and there's one text of proper practice known as the Karan Satari. So these are the 12 attributes we think of, when we think about Upadhyas. And I forgot to mention, may, maybe you guys know, um, but real quickly, the Arihans are the Tirthankars. The Siddhas are the non-Tirthankars that are in Moksha. Um, the Acharyas are human uh, human souls that are humans right now that have uh, achieved one of the highest levels of Jainism. They're our teachers. Uh, they're, they're the place from which all the information flows. They have devoted their lives to studying Jainism. Uh, the Upadhyas are one level down from the Acharyas if it was hierarchical. And the Sadhus and Sadhis are just one level down from that. So uh, if you become a Sadhu, then the next step is to become an Upadya, And the next step is to become an Acharya. So in case we, you didn't know that or we didn't go over that. So those are the tw- um, 25 attributes of the Upadhyas it's all those texts they have to learn and so that will remind us when we think about each one of the texts that will hopefully remind us that hey they exist and it's on my list to go look go, to go read those texts that all these upadyas know right and so the sadhus and sadvis what are their attributes the five major vows again a non-violence non-lying non-stealing celibacy and non-possessiveness um Okay, so let's talk about the, it's 27 for the sadhus and sadhvis, so that was the first five. The next six are that they protect the uh, one-sense beings. Remember, it was surprising for us to learn that water, fire, earth, and air are alive. Those are the one-sense beings. Some plants are one-sense six beings. And then protecting moving living beings, which are the two to five-sense beings. So that's the next six attributes. Uh, controlling pleasures from the five senses, again, great uh, uh, great comment that these are repeated. We're gonna control the five senses. The five types of carefulness, we've already talked about, the samitis that's repeated. Controlling mind, speech, and body, repeated. Not eating before sunrise and sunset, that's a great one to remember. Forgiving others, sometimes I have to remember that. Avoiding greed, enduring hardship, enduring suffering. Being introspective and keeping the heart pure. So if we go through all of those, that would number 27. And then for the Degumber tradition, there's slight uh, slight differences, not any major differences that we need to talk about. If somebody would like to talk about the Degumber tradition, that's fine. Uh, That's in the book, just next to the ones that I'm going over in chapter 2. So, questions or comments about the attributes of the Upadyas or the Sadhus and Sadhvis. And so, this is really easy to see why, how it's beneficial to us. Unlike the Tirthankars, which is a little bit crazy, right? Like, why should I remember that the tir- Does anybody have a better answer? Why should I remember that there's one of the attributes of a Tirthankar that a halo appears beside his head? Or that. His seed is divine where he delivers sermons. So it's real easy to see how this would apply to our life. Questions or comments, or if anybody has an answer to that initial question about Tirthankars, I'd love to hear it. All right, great, no questions or comments. So what I'd like for you to take away is, remember, when we say something, we think about the words that we're saying and we think about what they mean. There's a better way to pray than we have been praying and we have been teaching our kids to pray. And it's not a mark of honor if you close your eyes and pray. It's not a mark of honor if you don't use a piece of paper to pray. If you want to pray and have this book open or have a piece of paper open, you are doing something better because you are focused on the point of the prayer. You're doing something better than somebody that can sit down for 48 minutes with one of these and has the patience to go through it and think about what they're gonna to do tomorrow while they're doing it, or think about what they're gonna have for dinner while they're doing it. You are doing more for yourself, you're doing more for your life than the person that has the ability to do that. And, and as Nick mentioned, this is an artifact, right? You don't need this. If you can think about the 108 attributes without the Mara, do it. If you, can, if you need the piece of paper, do it. Whatever helps you to get to the point the point of the prayer, whatever helps you to do that, do that. If you don't like the mala because you have, you know, fat fingers like I do, they make big ones. They make like really big ones that where it's really easy to tell what bead you're on. Get one of those. If you don't think that we should use any artifacts or idols at all, don't. Because remember, the point is all internal. The point is to change your life based on what you know is the truth. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of reminders to, to, for us to know what the truth is, because the entire world is trying to distract us from our goals. And this is what I tell my children, and what I need to remember myself. Anything and everything, including yourself, is trying to distract you from your goals. Your brain is trying to distract you from your goals. That's what that means. So we always say in this house, anything and everything are trying to distract you from your goals. Thanks so much for your time, everybody, this week. That's all I have for you. I really appreciate you coming back each week and spending an hour with me. I don't take it for granted. I try to increase the value of Jainism and how to apply it in your life. That's been the number one goal of this class is how does how can we take Jainism out of the classroom and into your life? And I hope that you think about doing this new way to do the Mara, and I hope that it works for you. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you right